setting fire to the stoner stereotype, sparking up candid conversations with cannabis researchers, entrepreneurs, and advocates. Educator, author, and advocate Dr. Mitch Earlywine is here to tackle the burning issues. CannabisRadio.com presents a no-holds-barred platform that seeks to redefine and revolutionize the entire scope of the cannabis culture while opening the door for more to join the cannabis crusade. Please welcome the host of Burning Issues, Dr. Mitch Earlywine. Thanks for joining us on a special Mother's Day edition of Burning Issues, where we burn away the mommy myths with science. As many of you know, I'm Dr. Mitch Earlywine, author of over 150 scientific publications related to drugs and addiction, including the Oxford University Press book, Understanding Marijuana. I'm on the advisory board at the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws, and I also pen the High Times column, Ask Dr. Mitch. Today, we've got a special interview with legendary author Catherine Hiller. We'll get a more in-depth feel for her great book, Just Say Yes!, a marijuana memoir. We'll also have a new segment in self-compassion in the art of activism. Catherine Hiller had the first chapter of her memoir published in none other than the New York Times. It grabbed everyone's attention because she's used cannabis for an unbelievable 50 years. She's also a devoted mom. Her prose is witty and sharp, and the book itself reveals a lot about parenting and getting through the day with the world's most controversial plant. She's got a ton of coverage already, so I want to ask all the new unasked questions. Catherine Hiller, thanks for joining us on Burning Issues. Hi, Mitch. Thanks for having me on the show. And, you know, I can speak to Mother's Day in two ways. I am the mother of three splendid young sons. They're young men now. And I am also the daughter of a mother who is alive and well, and I smoke pot with her. So you can get me from both sides of this equation. That's a delightful thought. So do you happen to use with your sons as well? Well, it depends on where they are at in their usage. For instance, my oldest son, who is a therapist, says he is enjoying his sobriety right now. I don't ever smoke in front of him. My middle son smokes from time to time, and yes, we get high together, but none of them is as enthusiastic as I am. And my younger son is also like my middle son. He's an activist in the world, and he'll smoke pot when it's around, but it, it's not really central to his life. How have the boys responded to the book and the press? <laughs> well, there's some mixture of pride and embarrassment. And my younger son said it was like 87% pride and like 13% embarrassment. He's very specific. <laughs> but I thought that was funny that, yes, they are delighted that I'm, you know, making a little name for myself and I'm removing the stigma. And, of course, their friends think they have this very cool mom. <laughs> that, that is super hip. But how did your mom take it? Well, here is the thing with my mother, who is this wonderful woman of 92. She basically is the kind of person that doesn't need or use or particularly want any kind of stimulants. And again, this applies to a glass of wine or smoking pot. But she's certainly not rigid, and she's tried it a couple of times, and it makes her very giggly and fun. But she's really often giggly and fun. So, you know, she's not an enthusiast, and she's a little bit worried about my stance. She's worried because she doesn't want children smoking pot. And, of course, I tell her, I don't want that either. 
So she, too, has a sort of rather mixed reaction to what's going on in my life now and my becoming a cannabis advocate. Well, that's a real hoot. And I hear you're going to be covered in the New York Times yet again. Is that the case? Well, it's not exactly the case, but it's sort of the case. I wrote this piece about my mom and me in the kayak. And this was just, and I sent it into my, to the editor at the opinion section, which is, in paper, it's known as the Sunday Review, and online, it's the opinion. This Sunday, so I was delighted when the, I was told they're going to publish my piece this Sunday for Mother's Day. And, you know, there's not a grain of pot in this story, but I'm actually really thrilled with it because for the last year, I've been writing exclusively about marijuana. So I, it's nice to know I can write about other things, too, you know, that there's a rich world out there beyond the um, incredibly busy cannabis sector. And, you know, I'm, I was delighted that this piece is going to appear on Mother's Day. And you can imagine how thrilled my mother is that this piece, which is about how wonderful she is, basically, on Mother's Day a- in the New York Times. So she's happy. That is a complete hoot. Oh, I, I, that's just delightful. Yeah. Do you feel like cannabis feeds into some of the creativity when you're trying to craft stuff, even when it's not about cannabis? Absolutely. I have been writing stoned, I don't know, <laughs> since I've been writing, really, certainly for 40, or 40, 45 years. It's basically the biggest help when I start a piece. So when I'm facing this blank screen, it kind of gives me the confidence to start popping some letters there. So A number yeah, of my friends emphasize that it's great for generating ideas. It may not be the, the best thing to do when you're editing. You know... I wouldn't exclusively edit stoned, but so yes, I mean, I I can understand where your friend's coming from, but I do often work for other people, so I'm an editor as well as a writer, and I actually make more money as an editor than as a, a writer, and so I don't usually edit stoned except for the very last go through. When everything I think is fine, then I'll get stoned and edit it one last time, which is a real benefit for my clients because I can pick up these really subtle things in the prose that I hadn't, you know, the last time I looked at it. And these are often rhythmic things, how the sentence falls, if I need a two-syllable word there instead of a one-syllable word, or small details like that, but it all enhances the flow. I I have to say that marijuana is really good for my creative process from beginning to end. But while I say that, Mitch, I want you to understand that I've had three children, and during those pregnancies, and while I was nursing, I never smoked at all. By the way, there's probably no danger to it, but I didn't know that, and I certainly wanted to make sure. The books I wrote while I was pregnant with my kids and so on, no different. They end up being the same, but or you know, but I have to say that it's a lot more enjoyable uh, if I'm high to do the writing. I I do find that if there's any subtle way to misinterpret a sentence, I may mm-hmm. often catch it under that condition rather than any other way. I'm glad so, to hear that because I thought I was weird and alone, you know, in in thinking that. Oh, and it's great for punching up if you want a little humor yeah. or lighten yeah. something up. I, I think agree. that's super. Yeah. How oh, good. Yeah. Well, so I'm curious, is there anything you would have talked about for juggling parenting and and being a writer and editor? Well, I'm really atypical. I'm not one of those mothers that found it the hardest job in the world. In fact, I found it the easiest job in the world. And honestly, I I wish I'd had more children, three, not enough. No, no, I should have had four or five because I took to it so well. So for me, 
it was really a wonderful thing. And writing fit into it very well, because very few writers are really writing for more than a couple of hours a day. At least my friends aren't, you know, two, three hours, that's about enough. So every child naps, you know? So I... (laughs) And also, I taught them to read at a very young age, at three, so that I could have some more quiet time for my writing. So in my case, writing and parenting were just very, very, very complementary activities and very easy for me to maintain. When I became a working mother, when my youngest was about nine or ten, it was harder. And I certainly have enormous sympathy for all parents who work outside the home. But for me, as I said, it was easy and cannabis fit in very nicely with that particular life that was my particular life. Hey, as my cannabis radio brother, Vivian McPeak, says, we got to pause for the cause because there are flaws in the laws. Whoa. We'll be right back with cool. Catherine Hiller <laughs> and more burning issues. Thank you. More burning issues coming up after we blaze through these words from our sponsors. Northwest Alternative Health, Eugene's premier medical marijuana clinic, is proud to sponsor the Oregon Marijuana Business Conference. Are you prepared for the changes in the recreational and medical marijuana markets? The OMB presents the state's top industry experts, along with over 40 exhibitors, and features a keynote by Dr. Carl Hart. Also, tickets include a celebrity interview and private after-party with the one and only Tommy Chong. Join us Sunday, April 24th at the downtown Eugene Hilton, and be a part of Oregon's fastest-growing industry. Check out OregonMBC.com for more details. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. is ready to cut through the smoke and change the tone of Tilk Radio. All you have to do is decriminalize. We don't need a government regulation to tell us this is good pot, that's bad pot. We don't need any of that. The Tommy Chung Podcast, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome to my world. Time to fan the fire on some more burning issues. Only on CannabisRadio.com. Hey, and we're back with more burning issues. And Catherine Heller, the author of a marijuana memoir, Just Say Yes. And we're doing a special Mother's Day segment today. So I was curious. uh, We had Diane Fornbacher on a few months ago. And she says that in some ways cannabis sort of altered her parenting style. She was a little more flexible. Does that seem to resonate for you? You know, it's really hard to say. I do think it tends to accentuate, you know, one's in general personality. But, but so if one was a little anxious, one could be a little more anxious. Um, I, you know, I've often thought that I was sort of pushing the envelope by being bold about, you know, my use and so on. But actually, there are people who are really much more enthusiastic than I am and much more more positive than I am, even more. There is this website called Greenflower Media, and um, they are very, very, I I actually sometimes write for them, and they're very pro-pot. And they came out with this article that just blew my mind. It was saying, seven ways pot makes you a better parent. 
so, you know, I'm, I'm really delighted to find that there are people who feel this strongly about it. I'm not sure. The ways that were suggested were, yes, flexibility, being more playful, getting more sleep. Sleep deprivation is often a problem with young parents. So, yeah, that, you know, smoking pot does give you a deeper sleep. So, yeah, I was very impressed and curious, you know, when I read this article, I had never really thought that it might, in fact, improve my parenting. But I was always the kind of parent that was sitting on the floor with them playing games, you know, when I should have probably been, you know, cleaning the house. (laughs) Good priorities. Yeah. Have, Have other moms come out to you about their cannabis use since the book came out? Yes, but at my my turn in life, these other moms are moms of you know twenty and thirty year olds. There is one young mom who I who got in touch with me after my book, and she's been terrific. I mean, I'm, we're we're certainly close Facebook friends, and she actually suggested my last article. She said, you know, I don't know how to talk to my kids about it. What do I say? So I wrote a piece that was. Was it for Green? Yes, it was for Greenflower Media, and it was called "Coming Out to Your Kids About Cannabis." And then it was put on Huffington Post, I think, last week. So it's up there on Huffington, you know, talking to your children. And it, I, I address it from various ages. Obviously, you know, you have a different rapport, a different conversation when they're very young than when they're in high school, let's say. And it's also very different depending on where in the world you live. Um, I have such envy for the people that live in these states where it's legal, where nobody hides anything. And you say, sure, to your kid, I do this. But you can't do that if, you know, your kid could be taken away from you if the authorities knew. So, you know, the conversation varies. I address some of that in my book, The Parent's Guide to Marijuana, that High Times put out a couple of years back. But I feel like it's great to keep reminding folks with different perspectives. That's that's just super. Yeah. You're doing such a lot of good work, Mitch. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate it. Do you think it's easier or harder to be a mother now than when you were raising your boys? I think it's probably harder. There's much, I think there are many more faces looking at you and watching you and the whole social media thing. I don't know what I would put on Facebook about my children, but luckily I didn't have that dilemma. You know, you don't want to boast about them. You do want to mention them. Also, I believe in this sort of benign neglect about raising children that, you know, raise them right, teach them to read, teach them to swim and and let them be, let them flourish, let them show you what they're good at. I was like the opposite of the helicopter parent. And the other thing was my kids didn't have cell phones. They really weren't around until my youngest was in high school. So, you know, I didn't know where they were every minute of the day. I assumed they were fine and they were fine, but it gave them a lot of independence. You know, they'd come home and I'd say, so Zach, what have you been doing? When Zach was like 14, oh, he had, you know, he was on the skateboard at the skateboard park with his friend. Good, that's nice. But I didn't know where he was every second. And I think it gave them a lot of autonomy and a lot of, you know, self-control. And they never did get in trouble either. They were, were and are wonderful, you know, kids. I do have to go off the board from this book and talk about some of your short stories. I know you've done some rather sexually oriented stories. Have your kids seen those? And does that kind of change the dynamic? (laughs) Yeah, of course. Every child hates the idea that their parents have a sex life. Oh, my God. I still hate the idea when my 92-year-old mother starts reminiscing about, you know, some of the glories of her youth. I say, oh, Ma, please. No, no. 
in fact, my youngest son, when he had friends visiting, even though they weren't supposed to be in my study anyway, he would turn my books so that only the backs would face out of the sexy ones. I thought that was really funny. <laughs> Listen, you can't get it 100% right with your kids. You can't. I'm sure they would rather I hadn't written sexy fiction, but I did. <laughs> what can I tell you? I know a, a big name therapist who says you can't be a parent without being a perpetrator. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> well, yes. Well, there's that Auden poem too. Oh no, it's oh, not. Yeah. The Philip Larkin poem about you know. Anyway, so you, you say... <laughs> I remember it once we're off the air, but it's about how we we all damage our children. And, oh, of uh, course. But I think my children are a lot less damaged than most, and I can only say that we just have this fabulous relationship now, and. You know, whoever is the last one I'm with is my favorite. I mean, we just, each of the three are so dynamic and interesting and such good members of society. Let me just brag a little. My oldest is a therapist. My middle child works at a climate change foundation. And my youngest child is one of the founders of 350.org, which is a climate change activist organization. But he was tapped to be on the Bernie campaign. So he's now, he was hired by the campaign and now he's working in California. Oh, how cool. So, you know, these are very, you know, activists, smart, fun people. And I just think that they've turned out so so nicely. And maybe I have a little bit to do with that, but a lot has to do with who they were, who they are and their dad and their favorable circumstances, you know, economically. I certainly understand that living in a good neighborhood helps a child develop well. Would you say that your boys are like you, that they're similar to you? Yes, they are in, in, in these mental ways. They're very, very curious and they love to discuss things in, in detail. And, you know, they, they know that words matter. You know, there's a very funny short bit. It's about a minute in one of my books about me and my younger son when we were stoned looking at a little piece of trapped dust. And it's kind of funny. I could read it if you have the time, but it's not just – it's in my book, Just Say Yes, a Marijuana Memoir. Oh, well, that'd be delightful if you don't mind grabbing it. Okay. So we were off looking at colleges. He had just turned 18, and we were at the motel, and I had just started smoking with him. You know, maybe I, maybe this was the second time. So we lie on the twin chenille-covered beds, feeling mellow at the motel. Did you see that, Jerome asks, pointing to a corner of the ceiling. A bit of dust is caught in the cobweb there, moving back and forth as the air from the heater turns sluggishly. For some reason, that trapped particle fluttering here and there starts making us laugh, and the breeze from our laughter makes it jiggle more. Soon we are hysterical, as if this was the funniest thing in the world. We can't take our eyes off it. Do you realize, Mom, he guessed? We're sitting here watching some dust? No, no, I yelled. Stop. I can't stand it. I have a stomach ache from laughing. I cover my ears with my hand so I won't hear him, and I close my eyes so I won't see that most hilarious of all things, the bit of dust, because truly I am worried that I will somehow burst from laughing, or maybe only pee. What a time. Would it have been somehow better if we'd had the laughter without the pot? That seems like the wrong question, for we wouldn't have been drawn to the dust in the web if we hadn't been high in the first place. <laughs> well, that's a delightful note. 
I want to just thank Catherine Hiller. You guys can catch her at CatherineHiller.net, the author of Just Say Yes, a marijuana memoir. Thanks so much for being on Burning Issues. Thank you. This was great fun discussing motherhood and, and cannabis with you, Mitch. Thank you. Sure thing. More Burning Issues coming up after we blaze through these words from our sponsors. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Dr. Dabber, hurry. Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct. Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's order. Less heat, more flavor. Doc Rob, the concierge for better living. My guests say, Razzie Berry, we're talking about nature, naturopathic medicine, as well as the concept of prevention and preventing disease. Empower people to live a naturopathic lifestyle, get to know your body, understand its rhythms, remove toxins, and use natural alternatives whenever possible. 90 to 95% of cancers are due to environment and lifestyle risk factors. I mean, that's a huge number. That means that cancer is preventable. The concierge for better living with Doc Rob. Only on CannabisRadio.com Time to fan the fire on some more burning issues. Only on CannabisRadio.com Welcome back to Burning Issues. I'm Dr. Mitch Earlywine with a special Mother's Day version of self-compassion in the art of activism. Here's the part of our show that encourages all our listeners to take good care of themselves and their mothers. Hey, it's how we're going to support the Cannabis Crusade. Many of you know that I lost my mother last year. I appreciate all the heartfelt emails of support. She and I had a complicated relationship, but there wasn't a lot of conflict. I don't have too many regrets about it. I wanted to emphasize that our relationships with our mothers are often more like other relationships than we might want to admit. For a lot of us, our relationship with mom served as a model for subsequent friendships and attempts at finding a partner. I have a few relevant ideas from the research literature, and I thought they just might help any of us enhance our relationships with our moms. See if you can take advantage of these, particularly if your mom is still alive. First and foremost, I want to bring up my favorite five-to-one ratio of praise to critiques. We've talked about this before, but I think it's really important for moms We often grow up with moms providing everything for us at a time long before we can even say thank you. So it's easy to be a great friend to other folks and never really remember to offer praise and thanks to our moms. Sometimes our expectations for moms are very high, so it's easy to find flaws without remembering the good parts. So make your mom a special friend. Offer her your applause for all the things she does. 
when you think about offering a critique, bite your tongue a moment and see if you can recall giving her five moments of approval first. If you haven't contributed to the plus side, wait before you point out a minus. If it's important and it's a critique that you really feel strongly about, it will undoubtedly show up again after you've had the chance to offer more praise. Second, get a feel for your mom's world. It's easy to dismiss her friends or her interests because of our own inherent ageism or our own focus on our own stuff. Give her a chance. Next time she mentions a friend or an activity, be sure to query. What does she like about this particular friend? What do they usually do together? How has that activity become important to her? What makes it different from all the other stuff she does? And then, when she's talking, go ahead and listen. It's easy to think we know her well or that we've heard all her stories. But who knows? This time, she might just provide a surprise. Call back what she says in an effort to make sure that she understands that you understand. You know, say back to her your version of what she just said. Odds are high that this will get her talking even more. And the better we know our moms, the better chance we have of forming a meaningful relationship. My third point about moms is a difficult one. Accept your mom's influence. I'm not saying we should do everything our moms tell us to do, although the flossing and vitamins might help. I'm saying that it's nice to get her input and consider moving our lives in her direction. The actual decisions of what job to take and where to live and whom to marry and all that stuff, that's ours alone. But we can make these decisions with mom's big principles in mind. Most moms want us to be intelligent, sensitive, healthy, and safe. Moms want us to be good partners and parents and friends and employees. We know how to behave in ways that are consistent with those big values. When she doesn't understand your decision to take one path rather than another, point out how it's consistent with the things that she's taught. Don't forget the self-care that she tried to instill as a priority. Moms don't want to see us eating trash or running around with bags under our eyes. She remembers carrying you around inside her body. So be nice to the body she made. Last but not least, practice acceptance. Odds are high that your mom's a bit older than you. She's old enough to know what she likes and what she won't stand for. Anybody can change, but not everybody's motivated. You can hash it out and explain why things should be different. But in the end, moms are going to be moms. When we accept them for who they are, it can bother us a lot less when they never change. And who knows, they might change, well, down the road sometime. Or we might just be glad that they didn't change at all. Thanks so much for listening to Burning Issues. My continued gratitude to the Cannabis Radio Production Wizards and today's guest, Catherine Hiller. Please join us again soon. I'm Dr. Mitch Earlywine at CannabisRadio.com. You can also find us on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spreaker, and iTunes. Hey, follow your heart and let the data be your guide.
The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.